With the imminent overturning of Roe versus Wade, debates over the prosecution of violators of the state laws are now coming into focus. How should legislators respond? Should only the abortionists be prosecuted? Or what about the women who have committed abortions? Should they also be punished? Additionally, should pro-lifers only support complete and total bans on abortion? Or should lesser measures that restrict abortion be considered? We'll discuss these topics today. Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show, is brought to you by Created Equal, and you can donate to our work by going to createdequal.org. Just click on the donate link on the, le- uh, on the right side of the, uh, of the page. Also, uh, we are carried over the air on American Family Radio and Salem stations in the state of Ohio. And you can pick up the podcast 24-7 by subscribing on any of the popular podcasting platforms. And if you would, share that with a friend and leave a five-star review. So today on the program, we're going to be tackling some of the questions that are arising now that we are hopefully facing the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Uh, And there's been quite a bit of debate as to what a post-Roe America will look like when it comes to the legal landscape. There have been uh, attempts to to try to forecast what these uh, state laws might look like. And so we want to take some time today and discuss this. I've brought it up on the program in the past, but we're going to spend some more time on it today because I think it's really now front and center. And in order to do that, I have as my guest today, Samuel Say, and Samuel is a blogger and speaker. He, he hosts a, uh, a website, slowtowrite.com, and Samuel will be our keynote speaker this year at the Day of Action, which is June 23 and 24. That's June 23 and 24 here in Columbus. Uh, Samuel, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to be back. Yeah, I've had him on before. I appreciate you coming back on. And, and what made me uh, interested in, in revisiting things with you is because you recently wrote a, a blog piece on your website, on your blog site, entitled Why I'm Not an Abolitionist on Abortion. And so I want to get into that a little bit with you. But before we do, I want to deal with the elephant in the room, as I call it. And that is what happens uh one when Roe is overturned, and presumably states that are in a position to outlaw abortion will do so eventually, and in doing so, it brings up the question: Who will be prosecuted? Who will be held accountable? Uh, who will be punished? Is it just the abortionist, or will it be the mothers and any other you know aid, people who aid and abet? And I think that's been now front and center because historically the pro-life movement, and I'm not speaking for everyone because I'm not one of these, have held to the position that women should not be prosecuted uh, once abortion is made illegal. And that's been the position of the majority of the mainstream pro-life organizations for decades. And even today we see that uh, just a a week or two ago, the National Right Life Committee published an open letter to state legislatures across the country saying that they believe that legislation that bans abortion has to explicitly 
exempt women from prosecution. And uh, before we get into the, 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 the issue of prosecution, I have dealt with this letter on a uh, prior program, but I, I just want to be upfront about it. I didn't sign the open letter. There's a reason for that. <laughs> I think it's important to understand if you look through the list of those who are uh, named in the letter, I think it's almost more important to see who's not named in the letter. That, to me, is almost more instructive than those who are listed on the letter. Uh, we expect national right to life to be listed on the letter. We, we expect all the right to life chapters in America to be listed. And there are others that we expect to be on there. But there are a lot of organizations, including my own, Created Equal, that did not sign this letter. And there's good reason for that. Uh, just real quick, and I'll summarize, and then I'll throw it to you, Samuel, on this letter. I know you got an opportunity to read it. The thing that bothered me about it, a couple things. First of all, the data they used is decades old. Uh, we, we should be re-upping our research when it comes to whether women are victims or not. Uh, the other thing is that it, deals, it does not deal with the biggest question that's facing the pro-life movement. And that is pill abortions, medical abortions, chemical abortions, which now, because the FDA has basically changed the regulations, now women can access these drugs by simply going online in a Zoom call with a physician, presumably, and then have the pills, these, these abortifacient, or I'm sorry, these, these, these uh, chemical abortion pills mailed to them or they pick them up at a local pharmacy. And in so doing, it really cuts out the abortionist. I mean, there's no brick and mortar abortion mill. There's no abortionist per se that's performing the abortion on the woman. It's not surgical. It's me medical. And this letter doesn't address that at all. Uh, additionally, it's, it, it kind of uh, it, it appears to speak for the entire pro-life movement. I know that's not the case because there are a lot of people that disagree with it, including yours truly. And it takes an absolutist position that if you don't believe that women should be exempted from prosecution, then they're really not pro-life. So that's a quick summary. I want to get your take on the letter, and then I want to talk about just the issue of whether women should be prosecuted, or at least the laws should not exempt them. Yeah, it's. I know we're going to talk about uh, the abolitionist movement soon. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that letter is one of the reasons why the abolitionist movement is growing. Um, you know, it's, yeah. it's interesting. Um, and again, I will talk about this more, but it's interesting that you and I are in, in a sense in the middle in that we have mm -hmm. two groups that are absolutionists, two groups who are saying that unless you agree with us in every detail, you are not one of us. You don't really want to save babies. And that's very concerning. So of course we're not in the middle we, in the sense that we are very much passionate that any any killing of a preborn baby, any intentional killing of a preborn baby is wrong, and we stand against that. But unfortunately, we have two groups that are anti-abortion, the abolitionists, and then many people in the pro-life movement, such as the people who signed that letter, were saying that um, essentially, if you don't agree with us um, on something that a lot of Christians disagree with them on, right. that you're not truly pro-life. That excludes a lot of people who passionately want to save preborn babies and um, you know, do what is just uh, for them when abortion is illegal. Right. And I think that we can be sympathetic to the position that women shouldn't be prosecuted. I, I understand why they believe this, 
I don't agree mm-hmm. with it, of course. Yeah. Uh, one one argument that they would make is that, you know, we're talking about millions of mem- women who have committed abortions. Abortion has been decriminalized over the last 50 years. And now all of a sudden we're going to call, call them murderers and throw them into prison. I mean, it seems like to many on that position that we're taking a huge leap forward in where the American people's mindset is on abortion and how it should be prosecuted uh, in law. And so I sympathize with that position in that, you know, Americans, you know, they come along slowly. I mean, if we were overturn Roe versus Wade, which I we all hope is the case, that's one step, a big one, a major one to starting to change the American people's mindset on what abortion is and does. So, you know, I kind of get their position in that. But it's wholly pragmatic. And I think just like anything else we've achieved over the last 50 years, we've seen a gradual movement in our direction. For an example, and I'll share with you what's happened here in Ohio. In 2012, we introduced the first heartbeat bill in the country. It took eight years to pass that bill. Every pro-life organization that I can think of and the ones that are listed in this letter actually opposed the heartbeat bill initially uh, because they felt it was a bridge too far. But it didn't take too long until it wasn't a bridge too far. And we actually got it done in Ohio. Now, every pro-life organization in America supports heartbeat bills. So when it comes to questions like prosecuting women, punishing women, whatever, equal protection, how you put it, this is a, a process. We've got to change people's hearts and minds and and appeal to their conscience about why people need yeah. to be held accountable for their abortions. So that's kind of how I've approached it. Uh, you know, I would not, if I were the governor of a state and I was given a bill that's exempted women, I would probably sign it with a signing statement saying, I don't particularly agree with this. I want to come back and revisit this. We're going to, we're going to come, we're going to deal with this sometime down the road. But for the sake of this piece of legislation, I'd go ahead and sign it just to get it done and go back and revisit. That'd be my position. But I kind of want to take, get your take on, you know, the pro-life view of prosecuting women. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's amazing the inconsistencies uh, with a lot of our friends, uh, dear friends who disagree with us on on this issue. Um, I see that it's inconsistent because we oftentimes um, talk about how, and rightly so, how the pre-born baby is just, of course, just like a born baby. We say that they deserve right. the exact same rights. Well, if Correct. if that's the case, which and it, of course it is the case, if a two-year-old um, is killed by its parents or it's by its mother, to be specific, that mm-hmm. two-year-old should receive justice in that th- someone should be penalized for that. And, right. um, so, if a woman now, of course, you know, you and I would agree that there are different kinds of situations, right? So, some people who kill their babies. Um, should receive first degree. Some should receive third degree, right. and you know, and, and all that. So you know, that's an inconsistency there. The other thing is, we oftentimes, and rightly so, um, we we compare we compare abortion to slavery. And you know, mm-hmm. I've posed this to um, a lot of influential political advocates who disagree with us, and they can't answer this because they, is, there is a you know. It's contrary to what we believe about slavery, which is, you know, 
slavery was even more, so oftentimes we'll say that, well, women have been victimized by Roe v. Wade and that because the culture has been teaching women for so long that, you know, that it's not a really, that the preborn baby is not really a human, it's just a fetus, it's a cup of cells, all these things. And therefore they are victims of, um, of the, the lies. Well, that was true for slavery too. In fact, it was significantly more powerful for slavery. The slavery has been an institution or was institution, at least legal institution, since the beginning of the world, right? And mm -hmm. black people have been described as subhuman. Um, so a lot of slave owners did not believe um, that black people were deserving of rights. And yet when slavery was eventually made illegal in America and across the world, people who would commit the crime of owning a slave would be punished for that. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, uh, we have even something even worse than slavery happened. We have abortion where yeah. people are being killed and murdered. So why yeah. is it that um, it's okay to charge someone who owns a slave uh, when it's made illegal, of course? Why is, it, why is it okay to charge them, but it's not okay to charge someone who kills their baby? It's contrary to everything we say about what abortion really is. Right, and you know that's where I obviously agree with you. I don't believe that we should be exempting women in the legislation itself. It should not be written in that they are exempt. It should be treated like uh, any other homicide, and it should basically line up with the state laws on homicide and then leave the prosecutors the discretion to decide how they would adjudicate that individual situation. As you say, there are different levels of uh, murder, first degree, secondary, third. There's there's manslaughter. There's, you know, you can be a principal or an accomplice. I mean, there's, there's different levels, and, and that's where the— you have to give the prosecutors that discretion. If the goal is to get the abortionists, which I agree, and I think you would too, to, to criminalize and make sure they are punished, then you need something maybe even to barter with when it comes to women who would also be uh, charged with the crime. And so you yeah. could plea bargain with them and actually get to the abortionist. If you exempt them in the legislation, you have no leverage with them whatsoever. And they're treated as if they were victims all along. They're never going to see it as something they did wrong or sin, nothing to repent of, right? <laughs> I mean, where is the, where's the forgiveness and healing in Jesus Christ? It's, it's a messaging nightmare, I think, for the movement to not go there, in my yeah. opinion. And it, yeah, and if I could add one more thing, I'm glad you mentioned the repentance mm -hmm. um, aspect after that because there are— Sadly, a lot of Christians who would disagree with us on this issue, a lot of Christians who are pro-life who would not agree with us. And I think that is bad theology. Um, mm -hmm. It says, it says, it says, uh, if, if we think that women should not be penalized, abortive women should not be penalized for, uh, for um, you know, having their baby killed, well, then we're saying God was unjust in the Old Testament, where in the Old Testament, anyone including a woman who would kill their baby, whether they were born or even pre-born, right? Anybody that would have their pre-born baby killed in the Old Testament, including the abortive woman, would be punished for that. So mm -hmm. the idea that it would be unjust for us to do so now suggests that God himself is unjust. And of course, that's unthinkable. Mm -hmm. God is not unjust at all. God is righteous and God is just. So we will only become more just and more righteous when we agree with him and when we're like him. Um, so I definitely, I know people like many people do. I know, I know many people who have had abortions, um, dear friends of mine. I love them. I 
I, I want them to receive uh, compassion. I want them to receive help and counseling. Um, at the same time, if anybody kills their baby, I want compassion for the, uh, the person who kills the baby, but I also want compassion for the baby who deserves justice. Right, exactly. And the woman needs to be told that what she did was wrong. It's as simple as that. If you say that they're victims, then it's like abortion happened to them. It wasn't something they did uh, to the baby or to them their own bodies. It's like it just kind of happened to them and they were victimized for it and there will be no repentance there. So if we're really concerned about the the souls of women who abort, we got to call it what it is. And that should be reflected, mm -hmm. in my view, in the law, because the law is a teacher as well right we understand that so i don't agree with my some of my friends and there are a lot on this list that we should be exempting uh women from prosecution in these uh, laws that'll be making their way through uh hopefully through legislatures soon enough but i do mm -hmm. sympathize at some level that it's not a pragmatic move to not exclude them i get that i mean they say it's a pr nightmare that these bills will be dead on arrival Hey, you know, that might be the case for now, but that's what they said about every piece of pro-life legislation that I've ever been a part of. Every one of them has been fought by pro-abortion people and some people in the pro-life movement. It still didn't mean that it wasn't a fight worth having. So I think that what they're trying to do is head off this debate by giving in and saying, we're not going to do this, but it is going to come. I mean, we're going to have to have this debate. And there's folks in this country, as we say, and we're going to move on to the abolitionist point of view, who are going to introduce these laws. And I, for one, I'm not going to oppose them. And I don't think other pro-life uh, groups and individuals should either. Yep. Yep. Completely agree with you. I think, um, especially as you, as you mentioned before, Roe v. Wade, hopefully, uh, by the grace of God, will end. You're going to see some of those bills, these bills uh, becoming more uh, common. And it really would be concerning if um, when it's possible to truly uh, ban all abortions with zero exceptions, if a lot of pro-life people end up opposing uh, women uh, being penalized or abortion being criminalized. Amen. Yeah, another just a story a little bit is that Ohio Right to Life opposed the heartbeat bill for eight years here in Ohio. That did more damage than I can tell you than the heartbeat bill itself. At least they predicted it was going to be a nightmare scenario, never get passed. It just is going to cut, you know, cause all kinds of legal hassles and we're going to be paying, you know, we're going to be funding these legal battles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. None of that happened, of course. But the, the internal and external fighting that went on between pro-lifers on the heartbeat bill was far more destructive than the bill itself. And I say, I think we better think ahead here. Do we really want to have an open battle over this topic? in the public sphere where they see pro-lifers pitting against each other when it comes to how we adjudicate criminalizing abortion. I think that's mm -hmm. more damaging than let's just, if you don't agree with it, just, you know, say you're neutral and move on. Uh, yeah. That would be my position on it if, if I were one of these signers rather than telegraphing to our enemies the future in-house, or I should say probably pu public uh, arguments that we're going to have. But I, as I said, I'm sympathetic to some of the points of view, but to me, they're all pragmatic. And I think we've got that. This is the next battle. I mean, it is the next battle. And I think we need to take it head on and yeah. be honest with it.
so anyway, let's uh, unless you have anything more to add on that, I'd like to move on to some of the some of the things you talk about in your in your blog on abolition. Yeah, absolutely. I, I figure that since we've already made some people angry, why not continue? Uh, <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> now we've alienated some of the pro-lifers. Now let's 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 upset some of the abolitionist people out there. Yeah. How about that? So one of the things I want to bring up as we transition to the question of abolition is um, one of the things that's regularly bothered me about one of their points of view is that they would say that supporting incremental laws, and basically that's any pro-life law that doesn't end abortion 100% done yeah. over prosecutes women, defies Roe v. Wade, whatever. I mean, the five tenets or whatever they have explicitly, and these are those words, their words, all incremental laws explicitly sanction abortion. Uh, now, on the face of it, I think it's ludicrous, but I'd like to hear your point of view on that because I don't believe it sanctions anything. Yeah. It is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I have friends who are abolitionists. I love them. But I say, guys, you keep telling us to repent. You need to repent for slander. That is absolutely ridiculous. You know, one of, I, I, someone you use, a friend of mine used an example that I thought was absolutely brilliant to show how ridiculous our line of argument is, which is in the Old Testament, uh, well, Christ, I think in Matthew 19, said that because of the hardness of Israel's heart, he allowed men to give their women um, a certificate of divorce. Is right. God sanctioning? um uh, mm -hmm. people's wickedness of course right. not the context is is that because of the hardness of their heart it's the exact same thing with incrementalism because of the hardness of our culture's heart while we are passionately we are weeping we are distraught over abortion we are saying we are willing to save as many babies as possible until we can finally ban abortion and anybody who's going to say that we are sanctioning abortion um, by taking that approach needs to repent from their slander and their false accusations. Yeah, well, it's just not accurate because everybody that I know, well, I should say most people that I know, I, I can't read their hearts, want to end abortion. I mean, that's why we do what we do. Nobody would sign up for this willingly. I mean, frankly, I mean, I'd like to do a whole lot of other things other than this if I could, but I'm not, I can't. I mean, I'm compelled to do this work. Uh, one of the points that I've always made is if we were starting from point zero, ground zero, meaning abortion is completely illegal in the country, let's say, yeah. prior to 1973, prior to the Cal Colorado and California laws that, that decriminalized abortion to a certain level, if at that point a pro-life organization introduced a law that said, well, only babies that have a detectable heartbeat are protected, that would be explicitly sanctioning abortion, yeah. frankly, because abortion was illegal. Now we're making it legal up to the point of a heartbeat. That does explicitly sanction it. That would be an iniquitous decree, as they say. But yeah. the fact of the matter is we've had 50 years of decriminalized abortion. We're not starting from that position. We're starting yeah. from a position that abortion is legal through all uh, entire pregnancy, for the most part, yeah. in America. Yeah. And so what we're trying to do is build fences. That is to roll it back one step at a time. That is not explicitly sanctioning anything. 
it's already been sanctioned. It was exactly. sanctioned prior to 1973 with the Colorado and California laws. It was sanctioned by Roe v. Wade, whether you believe it's law or not. It was de facto law. Americans yep. believed in Roe. They thought it would legalize abortion. We've operated yep. under that basic understanding for 50 years now. That's what we, those are the cards we've been dealt. Uh, it's exactly. different than when it was prior to Roe versus Wade. That would have been an iniquitous degree that would de decree that would have sanctioned abortion if we would have passed a heartbeat bill before the laws began to already decriminalize it. Absolutely. Context matters. My guest has been uh, Samuel Say, and you can go to his website and read some of his articles at slowtoright.com. That's slowtoright.com. And we are going to continue on with this conversation with a bonus episode. So you can pick that up after you watch this one uh, to continue on with some of these topics. And I do want to tackle these with you, Samuel. And one of them is uh, just incrementalism generally, the point of view that, that pro-lifers have. And then the one I really want to talk about, and that is that, and I think there's some validity here when it comes to the abolitionist point of view, and that is there is there are some that you have to wonder whether they want to end abortion altogether, and they're in the pro-life side, and we want to have to we need to deal with that because now with Roe versus Wade being overturned, more than likely uh, we have the opportunity to do it, and there are those who I wonder whether that's really their goal, and so we want to talk about that again. My guest has been Samuel Say, and um, Stick around for a bonus episode. You can pick that up on MarkHarringtonShow.tv or all the popular podcasting platforms. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.